Welcome to the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we meet entrepreneurs in the digital health and fintech spaces. Together, we'll hear real-world stories, gain practical insights, and discover the amazing things happening behind the scenes of thriving early-stage companies making their mark. It's time for the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Well, hey there, I'm Kenny Jang, and this is another episode of the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Welcome to today's show. It's gonna be a fantastic conversation today as usual. We are lucky to have Dana Buchin, who's an immigration attorney and partner at Updike Kelly and Spella CPC. It's a major Connecticut law firm. UKS has offices in Hartford, um, New Haven, East Haven, Middletown, stores, they're all over Connecticut. And they actually have affiliation with Meritas Law Firms in all 52 states and 80 countries around the world. Welcome to the show today, Dana. Thank you, Kenny. It's great being on this show. So today is a little bit different a conversation than we've been usually having. We've been talking to um, the leaders and the CEOs and founders of startup ventures, in specifically um, digital health, FinTech and SureTech. And today we're turning the tables a little bit, talking to you uh, as an attorney who helps partner with those types of companies. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your background and the actual specific area of law that you practice, Dana? Sure, Kenny. So my name is Dana Buchin and I am an immigration attorney with UKS. Um, as part of my immigration practice, I work with a lot of companies in the high-tech sector who may need to hire foreign labor because of shortages in the STEM fields here in Connecticut and in the U.S. in general. I also work with foreign entrepreneurs and foreign investors who might be interested in opening their own businesses mm. and gain a visa status or a green card status based on such investments or entrepreneurship. Um, I as well, I work with uh, the venture community here uh, with companies who may be interested in attracting foreign financing into their companies by using immigration incentives. Wow. I work, I work uh, as an immigration partner in a general practice law firm that, as you said, has offices in all 52 states and 80 countries around the world. Wow. So that's I love the fact that you have that um, the breadth and also the depth of um, experience with that startup community. Um, you mentioned visas for entrepreneurs and investors. Um, could you spend a little time telling us a little bit about those? And what's the first step people really need to take to explore that area? Sure, Kenny. Um, in fact, I'm very glad to address this topic because it's a lesser known avenue for to sure, a visa sure. green card. Not many people talk about these visas available for entrepreneurs and investors. Yeah. Uh, and the reason is that a lot of these visas are actually have been in existence for quite some time. But just recently, um, they've been repurposed uh, to serve more the entrepreneurs and the investors. So I'm going to go over four major types of visas available to entrepreneurs and investors. Oh, that's great. I'm going to start with the category that has been widely known because the media paid a lot of attention to it. It's the EB-5 program. Okay. And that's probably the only one that uh, most people heard of. It's uh, the program whereby an, a foreign an investor is willing to invest at least $1 million or if in a targeted employment area, at least $500,000. And as long as they generate 10 
full-time American jobs within the two years after the investment, then they would get an EB-5 green card. Now that's one of the avenues for investors. Uh, one of the reasons why I many times I recommend the other avenues is because this program, as great as it is, takes a long time for the government to adjudicate or yeah. decide. Uh, it takes an average of 14 months for the government to finally make a decision on the case. Now, for those investors and entrepreneurs who are looking for a faster turnaround, I recommend the E-2 or the L-1 visas. Yeah, I've heard the L-1 before. Yes. Tell us about those. So let's start with the E. Actually, let's start with the L-1. Um, L-1 is a visa for intra-company transferees. Um, in other words, multinational managers, executives, or folks with specialized knowledge. Yeah. And I'm going to specifically... Uh, pick the category that's for multinational managers or executives called the L1A visa. This involves having a company abroad in any country, in any country around the world, and having, having been a manager or executive at that company for at least one full-time year within the past three years would entitle you to then transfer as a manager or executive to the U.S. subsidiary of that foreign company. So that's the L1A visa, and it takes only 15 days for the government to decide an L1A visa case with premium processing. Um, and so it is relatively fast to get one if you are eligible. Now, this L1A visa are not only for multinational companies, they're also for startups yep. um, who, who can prove their business potential, um, especially if the startup part of the company is in the US. So say, say the, the uh, let's, let's pick China, say the Chinese company is somewhat mature and they're thinking about establishing a brand new subsidiary in Connecticut. Mm, yes. In that scenario, even though the, the U.S. subsidiary would be a startup, nevertheless, there's the possibility of, a, an, of an L1A visa for mm. the top management. Um, based solely on the presentation of a business plan to immigration, which business plan should be credible in convincing immigration that there's potential for job creation? So that, that's the L1A visa. Um, a similar visa is the E-2 visa. Yep. E-2 visa is based on a, a treaty, a bilateral investment treaty between the U.S. and uh, the country of nationality of the investor. Now, 80 countries around the world have an E-2 treaty. Unfortunately, um, China, India, Russia, and Brazil, the BRIC countries, do not have an E-2 treaty, but a lot of other countries do. So most of Europe has an E2 treaty. Um, majority of Latin American countries have it. Uh, quite a few African and Asian countries have it. Now the E2 treaty, the E2 treaty visa, is very similar in concept to the L1A, except that it presents the additional benefit of allowing an individual to do the investment. It doesn't have to be done through a company, through a company uh, abroad that would establish a U.S. subsidiary. It could be simply uh, an Indian national who would come from India to Connecticut, 
and individually open a startup company here. Is there a minimum investment level for that? No, there is not a minimum investment level like the EB-5. EB-5 has a minimum yep. investment under the law. However, the E-2 and the L-1 do not have any minimums written into the law. Uh, for E-2, there's a legal requirement that the individual or the company invest a substantial amount of capital in that business and that they own and control that company. Now, a substantial amount of capital has been interpreted to mean just roughly enough capital that you could show you could run that company with. So enough capital to cover your startup expenses plus run that business for six to six months to a year. So I, I could tell you from experience, it depends on the on the um, costs of the business on the you know, how how much capital does it need to run this business. Um, but I have been getting approved for E2 visas uh, for as little as $40,000 for high tech um, businesses with low overhead. So it right. could be anywhere 40,000 to over a hundred thousand to upwards of 200,000 it really depends on how much you want to invest there's no maximum so you can invest as as much as you want so it is, really is a flexible option there yes there's a, it's a flexible option now there are some requirements of course attached such that uh, for example uh, the person would have to show that the funds that are being obtained towards the investment uh, in an E2 enterprise are clean from legitimate sources sure. and that they're your personal funds. In case you are an individual investing individually, then they are your personal funds and not loans from other people. They could be gifts from other people, but not loans. Okay. Uh, so this covers the E2 and the L1, and uh, then there's the H1B visa that uh, a lot of people have heard about. The H1B visa is um, traditionally the most common visa used by professional workers. It's the visa of choice uh, for most of the work foreign workforce working currently for American employers. Now. The problem with it is that it's limited to 85,000 um, visas per year, yes. and each year we more than exceed. Yep, we max out, right? We max we hear out. about that every year. Correct. And so that is a possibility even for startups. Uh, not many people think about this, but H-1B visas could successfully be used by startups. The, there are some requirements. For example, that even if you are the owner and controller of your business, hmm. um, usually you would not be eligible for an H-1B visa if you're the owner and controller of your business. However, there are some exceptions available for those startup founders who manage to um, set up an independent board of directors with decision-making over hiring decisions. And so that is, a, you know, a possibility for an H-1B visa. The other problem with the H-1B visa, because it's capped at 85000 yeah. a year, is even if you set up that independent board and you do everything right, you might still not uh, win the lottery. So the way around it is, for many, has been to run your business uh, to be affiliated with a university. 
because universities get an unlimited number of H-1Bs. So in in short, there are alternatives for entrepreneurs and um, uh, investors. It's just that uh, there needs to be a lot of creativity as to how to use these visas. Interesting, interesting. So um, from your perspective, I guess, um, you know, talking about the actual startup and venture community, you know, do you feel on your side that they should have a greater interest in this topic that, you know, these, it seems like these visas are obviously um, beneficial for the foreign nationals that want to come and work in our country here in the U.S. Um, but I, th- I think what, what you're saying is that there probably is a lot more benefit to corporations, to startups and ventures and this whole community if they, if they learn more about resources such as these. Absolutely. Um, there are two ways, two major ways in which I could see a benefit to the general venture community. Uh, first benefit is uh, tapping into foreign labor yeah. in the fields that's not otherwise available here because unfortunately we do not graduate enough STEM students to respond to the needs of our economy so we most corporate America who is in need of STEM labor force sees itself compelled to tap into the labor force when you do that you absolutely need to pay attention to immigration laws because you cannot just have someone show up and work for you without proper work authorization so you have to you have to make sure that you that person who's going to work for you has proper work authorization the second way in which the venture community has an interest in this topic is access to foreign financing it's another source of financing that is very is not so talked about but is out there because of the immigration incentives for someone to actually invest in this country. Um, as I as I mentioned, for example, there's the E2 visa and the L1 visa that provides incentives for someone to, for a company or an individual to invest in the US. Now, nobody says they have to invest in their own business. Right. The EB-5 program, in fact, encourages them via the EB-5 direct uh, encourages uh, foreign nationals to invest in an existing U.S. enterprise and take an equity stake, even if a minority equity stake in that enterprise. So, so this is one way of, of um, attracting financing. The other way is joint ventures. Uh, the L1, both the L1 visa and the E2 visa work very well if the foreigner owns and controls 50% and the U.S. party owns and controls the other 50% of a joint venture in whatever field of common endeavor. <laughs> uh, there is no limit on, on the types of industries, and especially the high-tech sector is That's wide open for, for joint venturing. Um, now, of course, there are some fields that are out of the question, such as military and uh, some aerospace. However, however, um, generally speaking there is no limit on on the industry per se so so that's really interesting so what can actually be done to attract more investments um for the entrepreneurship community locally here um for from these foreign nationals how do we promote that or what what what's one or two things you see that can be done on our side promotion 
promotion is number one. Uh, one one of the problems uh, out there is lack of awareness about mm. visa alternatives. Education, basically. Education, yeah. awareness raising for foreigners to understand that there are immigration incentives for them to actually invest here and create jobs. Uh, I find that that's actually a novelty every time I raise it with, with prospective no, clients. for sure, for sure. The other thing that we could do to attract more is to make their landing here soft, as soft as, mm. as possible. So once they're here, because they're in a new environment and they don't know exactly how this new environment works, there needs to be an ecosystem that's already set up to assist foreign companies who want to land here. Things like um, advisors, consultants around, um, but also care for their for their visa situation or yeah. visas, especially if that te tends to be the most the 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 motivation, the main motivation behind their move to invest. So you have to pay very close attention to what motivates them. And in a lot of these cases, they are motivated by the American dream of coming here, ensuring a solid immigration status, such as a green card. And then, of course, working on their business. What, so what would you advise? Like, um, you know, what, if a foreign national, if they had an interest in investing here in the States or coming in as an entrepreneur, what's the, from their perspective, what do you think the next step for them to do? Because they need to make the connections to be sponsored for these types of visas, right? Correct. So once it's been decided that once 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 they respond to a campaign to raise awareness about these visa options and they positively identify immigration to be their main motivation, yeah. then it's they clearly must get in touch with an immigration attorney who can advise them as to how to structure their investment from the very beginning so as to get that visa or that green card that they're really looking for. And so I would say the next step is those who are motivated by immigration should be uh, put in touch with an immigration attorney. Obviously, there may be cases that are motivated solely by business or investment, in which case I'm sure that we can put them in touch with the proper resources. Or who knows, there may be others who may be motivated mainly by tax reasons, and I'm yeah. sure there are tax experts, etc. So uh, the motivation has to be understood and has the person has to be assisted accordingly yeah definitely for sure so um you know in again so a law firm like yours which i mean it's a it's a large enterprise right you've got a large network multiple offices uh big jv with another affiliation um what what size uh startup uh teams do you actually guys service is it the back of napkin uh, i've got an idea in a garage, um, you know, a restaurant, or is it uh, startups with prototypes and actually they're getting to the market? At what point should they start to engage with you? Because uh, I think startup teams are constantly thinking about how do they expand their team? How do they bring more talent into their team? At what point do they engage with a company like yours? Sure. I'm happy to report that although it sounds very impressive in terms of how many affiliations we have, the very reason we are affiliated 
as independent firms under a common logo such as Meritas is because we are not big law firms. We are small, medium-sized law firms in our markets who uh, can achieve better pricing and better connections and access better access to legal expertise by affiliating with like-minded, like-situated mm -hmm. firms in other jurisdictions. So, for example, our, say, London equivalent is our mirror image here in Connecticut. And we are, we have about 68 lawyers in all our offices in Connecticut, which is actually considered a medium-sized law firm, not a big law firm mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Therefore, we serve all levels of a startup from the very beginning until post revenue and beyond uh, we do not have restrictions as to when they should come in and talk to us especially if they are motivated by immigration the sooner the better because a good thing starts with planning from the beginning gotcha, and gotcha. a visa situation gets set up gradually yeah, I've, I've, I've heard time and time again from successful entrepreneurs that they wish that they brought in counsel much earlier than they did. Um, and there is just this sense of uh, intimidation or, you know, you're established and they're not. And so it's that bridge that needs to happen. So they reach out for help and counsel, right? Right. Well, in uh, to get over that intimidation, I would invite them to come to either our store's office or Middletown office, which are small and very comfy looking. <laughs> Nothing intimidating. <laughs> Nothing intimidating about those. <laughs> well, I, mean, I just love the fact that, I mean, even today, you are so accessible when we invited you onto the podcast. And that's, I think, some of the, the nature of the game is that, you know, you're here to really support um, help support, nourish, and help startups flourish. And that's that's your function in the ecosystem. And that we just want to encourage the startup, um, you know, the, the people in the startup community to really think about um, establishing informal and formal relationships with attorneys and firms like yours, right? That's that's in their best interest. That's, that's correct. I would encourage the same thing, Kenny. And I do appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. And I would like to take the opportunity to wish uh, all your startups the best of luck in establishing themselves. And we are here and available to serve their needs. And we can be contacted, um, you know, the simplest way to, to be contacted is to do a simple Google search for my name, Dana Buchin. Or otherwise, um, that's where you will find out my email address, which is dbuchin at uks.com, or um, my telephone number, etc. cetera. Uh, it's all on the internet these days. Great, great. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. <laughs> and as we close out this time together, um, we usually ask for one practical tip that we can leave our listeners here. So I'm going to ask you one of our lightning round questions is, what book conference or a, a industry association, what resource do you choose to spend your time, your precious time with, especially in the context of, you know, startup ventures? What can you recommend to our audience today? That's going to be very tricky in the context of, uh, of uh, investor or um, business visas in general, because I found that there's a gap in knowledge. There are wonderful resources for startups in the business side of the startups and there are wonderful resources on the immigration side yeah. of, of those startups but nothing that combines those together not not a good publication that combines the two together the closest that it comes 
if anyone wants to check more on these types of visas, would be to go to USCIS.gov, which is the governmental website listing all the types of visas. And that would still leave you wondering, okay, so how does that apply in my case? (laughs) And unfortunately, it's such a it's it's a knowledge gap it's the reason we don't hear as much about these visas because it's an emerging it's emerging as we speak how exactly do we fit long old visa categories to the new world of high-tech innovation it's a world in the making and i myself have to mold these visa types every single day to better fit better and better fit entrepreneurs today so um, USCIS.gov, just Googling E2 visas and L1 visas and EB5, although that will lead you to different sites. Pick the .gov sites as much as possible. <laughs> That's a good tip, good tip. Well, Dana, yeah. thank you so much for spending time with us and being generous with your wisdom and sharing a little bit about this. Education is the name of the game in this area. Um, and Dana Buchan, you're with UKS. They can find out more about your firm specifically at www.uks.com, correct? Correct. Um, and then what's the best way for them to directly get in touch with you specifically? Is, is it that email address that you gave? Yes, it's my email address, dbuchin at uks.com, or they could feel free to call me, 860-548-2629. That's a direct extension or simply Googling my name, and that will also give them the benefit of finding out more about my background, qualifications, client reviews, etc. I love it. It's so refreshing to meet people like you that really want to help and support the community and just is being so accessible. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, everybody, for listening in on our conversation here at the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. You can get the transcript, the show notes, the links all on our website, at VentureClash.com, and that's also the place you'll find out information about our $5 million venture competition that's going on right now. If you are a startup venture in the digital health, fintech, or insured tech categories, you'll want to check out our Venture Clash competition at www.VentureClash.com. See you next time. Thanks, Dana, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of the Venture Clash Entrepreneurship Podcast. Drop by www.ventureclash.com as to learn about the $5 million Venture Clash Startup Challenge. We've set aside millions to support your innovation and product offerings. Venture Clash is also the place where you'll find the resources you need to help grow your business. Check out the contest at www.ventureclash.com today.